Hey, hoop ballers, are you into sports betting? Do you want to know why a certain game has a funky line? Well, HoopBall has you covered. Today in sports betting is a great addition to all your handicapping questions with hosts Ira Silver and Devin Ellington. We break down game lines and future bets on all sports and try to make some money along the way. Follow us on Twitter at HoopBallGaming, at Ira Silver Magic, and at D-A-L-E-007. And download Today in Sports Betting in the App Store, Google Play, and available on Spotify. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. The Hoop Bowl Lakers podcast is always winning. Unfortunately, we can't always say that about the actual Lakers team. Although they've been excellent on the court this year, they are coming off of a loss against the Toronto Raptors, bringing their bubble record to one and one. What is up, everybody? Welcome in. Welcome back to the Hoopball Lakers podcast. Ethan Noroff here with JC DeLeon. JC, how are you this evening, sir? Uh, doing very well. The Lakers are one and one in the bubble, but it won't burst our spirits in the process. I will say, JC, before we get too far into the episode and we talk about where you can find us and all that good stuff, I was not entirely impressed by the level of effort that I saw from these Lakers outside of AD and LeBron when it came to the loss of the Raptors. Yeah, they definitely started out slow, which is which is odd. I seen I saw jokes on Twitter about the the Friday night curse and how bad teams kind of tend to play on Saturdays and things like that, but they're all in the bubble, so they they shouldn't have gone out or anything last night, but uh yeah, it was definitely uh disappointing to see a, a, a lackadaisical effort coming out oh, of just the second game. They're lucky, they're lucky that they weren't down 25 nothing in the first quarter before they sort of started to put things together, and then it fell apart in the second half. But there were some positives we could take out of that, and that's what we'll focus on here because we, we don't need any more negativity in the world. Of course, you can find all that positive energy and everything Lakers on Twitter with us, at HoopBallLakers. You can find us on Twitter individually. JC is at, at JCDeLeon1, and you can find me at Ethan underscore Noroff all part of the at Hoopball Tweets family. So, JC, although the Lakers took the L in their last game, we do have some things that we like, and one of the things that we do seem to – it does seem to be working, I should say, is the play of Dion Waiters, who is very much a part of this rotation at this point. Yeah, he. uh, I talked a little bit on Friday about uh, his game versus the Clippers, and then on Sunday was a little bit consistent as well. And so – what you're seeing out of him, what you, I think what you were worried about is kind of the shoot-first attitude that he exhibited in Cleveland when he was a teammate of LeBron's and sort of some of the issues like that he had in, in Miami afterwards. But no, he's he's taking ball handling duties um, as, as this kind of main priority. He's driving to the basket. He's shooting threes when open. Um, I made note of a couple of bad shots that he took on Friday that, that in retrospect, weren't really his fault because the offense was just wasn't flowing. They were standing around looking at him, so what else is he supposed to do but shoot? And one instance in which he, really early in the shot clock, um, put up a shot on, on a pass from LeBron. I felt like they could have let the offense develop a little bit more, in that, but that ended up leading to an offensive rebound from AD and then a three from Kuzma, so... Yeah, I think I think his decision making has been been really well, and um, he's he's that second ball handler that this team really needed. Well, 
in the first two games inside the bubble. Deion Waiters has played 21 and 22 minutes, so it feels like his playing time is probably going to hang right around that 20 to 22-minute mark. Meanwhile, in the most recent defeat, Alex Caruso was at 24 minutes. Kyle Kuzma was at 28 minutes. And nobody else off the bench played more than the 17 minutes that Dwight Howard played. And obviously all those guys played different positions. So I find it interesting that Deion Waiters is... I guess interesting is one of those words that nobody really knows what it means because you say, oh, it's interesting. It could be good, could be bad. So let me find a better word. I think it's sort of predictable given that because Deion Waiters was with the Lakers prior to quarantine, so you remember that they signed him just before the, you know, the shit hit the fan, in that sense he's had a longer amount of time with the team to sort of gel on and off the court, at least when they've had the opportunities to practice. As mentioned previously and something we've discussed is you know, when JR was signed, well, that was really an insurance policy, and more or less that's what we've seen. But Dion Waiters is going to be a very real part of this rotation, and I think what he needs to bring to the Lakers more than anything else is just consistent effort. I think the Lakers are willing to live through his mistakes for what he brings to the table, but consistency with his effort is something that he's always struggled with his, through, uh, through his career with, whether he's been alongside LeBron or not. And I feel like that's where the Lakers really can't afford a letdown for a guy who's going to be a critical member off of this bench. Yeah, for sure. I think I think what Jr. has been bringing, it, nothing has been he's brought has really been bad except for a couple of shots and decisions. But yeah, I think it can be chalked up to his his unfamiliarity with with the team. Oh, absolutely. And I think you know as the Lakers continue to progress, obviously through the remainder of the regular season or the modified regular season, and then into the postseason. In theory, Waiters should become uh, even additionally comfortable, but we'll, we'll see what it holds. Because for me, this Lakers bench, obviously it's going, the team is going to be fueled as far as AD and LeBron takes it, but this Lakers bench is really going to become important, especially now with you know some of the guard depth being compromised. I mean, you're talking about a starting backcourt in this game, JC, and Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Danny Green, who combined to shoot 2 of 14, 1 of 10 from downtown, and only play 50 of the allotted 96 minutes in those two positions. So, you know, whether it's Kuzma's 28 minutes or Waiters at 22 and Caruso at 24, like I was saying, this bench is really going to have to contribute. I find it interesting that Markeith was able to get off 10 shots in 10 minutes, but I think even he is going to have to play a more consistent role. And I think if the bench is struggling to find that level of consistency on nights where the starters struggle, and this was sort of a weird one, in the sense that Anthony Davis only took seven shots. I mean, he was 9-9 nine nine from the free throw line, but only seven shots is in a regular game from, from uh, AD. And LeBron led the team with 15 shots total. So to me, I would like to see, you know, if Kuzma and Waiters are combined, let me put it like this, I guess. Kuzma, Waiters, and Morris combined to take 34 shots, and LeBron and Anthony Davis combined to take 22 shots. And LeBron and Anthony Davis each played the most minutes of any Laker at 35. So to me, something about that math equation, however you want to stack those chips, to me that needs to change. What do you feel about that? Yeah, it's definitely that's definitely true, and it's a it's a good way to look at it. Um, you could say that that LeBron and AD are kind of pacing themselves for the rest of the season. Uh, I, you know, I, I look at things that are that are. Uh, uh, repeatable and or things that that likely aren't happen to, aren't going to happen again, and so yeah. In terms of if this were an NBA final series because they play on the East, uh, Anthony Davis isn't going to put up 14 points every night, and LeBron isn't going to be that whatever the opposite of assertive is that passive. He's not going to be that passive 
every game. And so, yeah, there's there are positives, like we said, to Gleam and how they, they came back from a deficit and how those guys did play really well despite uh, LeBron and AD not asserting themselves. So in the grand scheme of things, yeah, I think things are fine, but there are definitely negatives and positives to look at from this game. I think if you really want to take a step back and look at it, the Lakers, as crappy as they played, were in this game until the fourth quarter when Toronto outscored them by 13 points to win by 13. I mean, Lakers went down, uh, went into the fourth quarter down only a couple points. So I think if that's your, you know, you want to be Mr. Optimism or Miss Optimism, I think that's the ultimate way to look at it. But still, you know, the Lakers need to continue to prepare themselves for the postseason. And you got the standings pulled up right now, right uh, on your computer there, JC. So in terms of where the Lakers sit at the standings, what's what's the cushion? Break it down for our audience. What's the cushion? And do you feel that there are any sort of reasons to be concerned about the Lakers locking up that number one spot? I don't think so. It's about a four and a half game cushion, fifty and fifteen, versus the Clippers, forty five and twenty one. Uh, I don't know the clip or the rest of the Clippers' schedule, and the Lakers do have a fairly difficult one. But you figure even if so, the six more games, like fifty-six, and if the Clippers win six more games, it's going to be put them at fifty-one. And so, or I'm sorry, even yeah, like in theory, if the Lakers lose every game and the Clippers win every game, then the Clippers could overtake them. But that's likely not going to happen. Well, I think, you know, that's sort of what everybody's hoping doesn't happen and assumes it's not going to happen, but I'm still keeping a watchful eye on it because for LeBron and AD to be busting out 35 minutes each in a 15-point loss is a little bit of a sign of concern for me as the Lakers sort of try to get their bearings around them and figure out what it's going to look like when it comes to how this team is going to roll into the postseason. And one of the things we were talking about before we came on air was the play of Kyle Kuzma. Now, in this 15-point loss, Kyle Kuzma played 28 minutes. He was 5 of 13 from the floor. He did hit a few threes. He scored 16 points overall. What's your sort of early report card grade on, on Kyle Kuzma's performance here? Uh, definitely an A, if not um, maybe an A+. He is consistently shooting the ball really well. He's adapting to his role really well. He's defending. He's, uh, he's rebounding. He's... There's only a couple of instances, and, and anytime I feel like the Lakers are putting any, any time any Laker puts up a really bad shot or there's a horrible possession, I feel like it can be attributed to all five of them not having any flow to the offense. So there's, there haven't been as many instances of Kuzma over dribbling the ball and leading to a bad shot because he's he's unable to pass it. Um, he found himself in a trap like that, and he found Caruso for a nice pass against the Clippers. There was one possession against the Raptors, which he was on the court with LeBron, and he did kind of over-dribble, and it led to a really bad shot. And if LeBron's on the floor, Kyle Kuzman can't let that happen to himself. But other than that, yeah, he's been playing really well. So for me, you know, dare I say, and I'll ask you this question, JC, dare I say that this is sort of the version of Kyle Kuzma that the Lakers have been hoping for and kind of the, the evolution of him taking to his role that everybody has sort of been waiting for here? I I think so, but I also, at the same time, I also think that he... I think it's a role that he's adapting to. I feel like he's extremely talented. I, I feel like he's... He probably feels like he is cap- capable of more. And so it kind of ends up being one of those things in, in the offseason, which I know we're a long way from. He could be a valuable trade piece because he thinks he could be a star 
or a starter on another on another team, and and he probably could. And so, for him to turn into a couple of more really good role players for this team, that could be his ultimate value. But for now, I think yeah, this is sort of what they envision him, and he's embracing that role. Yeah, I think so too. And Kyle Kuzma, if he does wind up uh, ultimately becoming traded, don't you feel like he's going to be one of those guys who winds up in a sign and trade type of deal? Yeah, I think so. So I, I feel like the Lakers are probably going to hold on to him through the uh, the end of his rookie contract, only because when you realistically look at it, it's it's going to be so hard for them to return value otherwise. But you know, I think if this is the consistent version of Kyle Kuzma, at least the consistent effort, especially from Kyle Kuzma, the Lakers can expect in you know twenty eight to thirty two minutes a game here. I think he's going to help fill some of those minutes that so many others uh, were sort of wondering where they would come from with the absence of Avery Bradley, with the absence of Rajon Rondo, and some of, some of the moving pieces of this team. You know, there's no reason to say that LeBron, AD, and Kuzma can't be an effective three man tandem out there. In fact, that's what the Lakers, you know, obviously want to see happen, and fans too. So for me, I'd like to see more Kyle Kuzma, especially as, and this is one of my areas of concern, as you know, Danny Green, man, has really looked uh, not so good. <laughs> I, 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 wish, I wish I could say something better, but he, uh, he was held scoreless in the loss to the Raptors, his former team. Uh, he only played 20 minutes. He only played 25 minutes against the Clippers. Uh, I know Danny Green was sort of a complimentary piece to AD's arrival, and you know, he'll play any role the team asks him, but I'm not uh, thrilled about playing uh, Danny Green, you know, sub 28 minutes for $15 million a year when he's not doing a whole lot to uh, produce for the team. Definitely not. I feel like if, if, if Kuzma could, there is a place for him in the starting lineup because he's been becoming more versatile defensively. Um, yeah, maybe he can, he can guard some of the bigger guards in this league, and so, yeah, maybe you can sort of swap them uh, and put Den- have Danny Green come off the bench, and since pri- since his offensive role is primarily to sort of shoot corner threes, anyways, a a, ro- a bench role could be more suitable for him. Yeah, and I think you know I don't know if the Lakers are going to get that sort of developmental and experimental in terms of the chemistry of the club at this point in the season, just with everything that they've got on the line, their ultimate aspirations. But it's certainly something worth watching. And JC, speaking of things that are worth watching. You know when you always shaving, man, and you got to make sure everything is tight and trim. You got to make sure that you're watching closely. So for me, that's why I use the Manscape and its redesigned electric trimmer. The engineering team just spent 18 months redesigning and perfecting the greatest hair trimmer ever created, brother. And it just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. It's a third-generation trimmer. It's got a cutting-edge, cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. And thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology, you won't hurt any area of your body that's not meant to be hurt, okay? So when I tell you this is premium, I mean it is premium. 90-minute battery, you can take your time. It's water-resistant. It's got an LED light. It's got all the stuff and things. And if you're thinking that somebody might catch you, uh, kind of making sure that you're good to go before an important weekend or an event of your choosing, well, don't you worry because the motor is now a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And so at this point, you're sitting there wondering, God damn, how do I get one of these groomers? Listen, couldn't be easier. And you're going to get 20% off just because you stuck with me through the whole read. So you get 20% off free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. That's get 20% off. And free shipping with the code HoopBall20 
at manscaped.com. And one more time, just for the people in the back, in case you didn't hear me, 20% off of free shipping. So even more savings, which everybody loves and needs during this time. Manscaped.com. Just use the code HOOPBALL20. All capitals on HOOPBALL20. JC, I know you're a loyal Manscaped user like we all are here at the HOOPBALL team. Appreciate you, Manscaped. Thanks for always outfitting us. So we don't have to worry about how we're looking, how we're feeling, because we know we crisp and tight where it matters. But around the corner is where the Lakers area of concern is going to be. So we talked a little bit about Danny Green. And I know, JC, you brought up just before we went on air, JaVale and Dwight haven't exactly been the most impressive tandem uh, either in the middle. No, that's been really disappointing, uh, especially not so much for JaVale because I feel like he had a good game against the Clippers and sort of I talked about how his sort of his main role is to sort of set the tempo and kind of get things started. And that's part of why they had such a bad start versus the Raptors. He had a really good start in the second half, and that's sort of how it got them going in the second half. But, yeah, him and Dwight, um, especially Dwight, kind of given given some of his uh, less favorable behavior in the bubble where he's talking about his, him not liking wearing the mask and just kind of bringing unnecessary attention to, to, the, to the league and to the team when everyone's trying to look at everything in a positive light. And so you, you kind of wanted to see him play better just for, like, the overall morale of the league and to see him play a little bit disappointing uh, – you know, Friday wasn't really his fault. I think or the against the Clippers wasn't really his fault. He was in foul trouble. That was a really weird game with the whistles. But still, you'd like to see a little bit better of an effort uh, coming out. Uh, and it, we just didn't really see it. Yeah, and I think that's that's the piece. And so, you know, to me, both of those big men are those guys who you could probably tell in the first, what, two or three minutes of a game, JC, what kind of game they're, they're going to have. Would you say that that's about right? Yeah. And so, you know, when they don't come out with that enthusiasm or that energy or that spirit, for lack of a better word, you start to get concerned. And that's where I think Markeith Morris could play an important role for this Lakers team, especially if Anthony Davis is looking for additional minutes of relief from playing the center position. Because if you have Anthony Davis out there, even if he's playing power forward, point guard, whatever other position you want to put a label on him, it doesn't really matter anymore, right? Keith can be that five-man, air quotes, and sort of take care of that problem for you. So it will be interesting because as the Lakers prepare to roll forward, they're going to be facing some big centers over the next couple of games. you got Rudy Gobert and the Utah Jazz on Monday. Then you got Steven Adams and the Oklahoma City Thunder on Wednesday. And once we get to our sort of surprise section of this episode, JC, I want to talk about that team for a little while. But then you play teams in the Houston Rockets, who obviously, as we know, start P.J. Tucker and or Robert Covington at center, depending upon the way you want to look at it. And then going into this weekend for this week's slate, play an Indiana Pacers team that does have Miles Turner inside. But, you know, depending on who you talk to, there are various opinions about him. So how important do you feel it is to see JaVale and Dwight sort of step up to this challenge, especially over these next couple of games? against Gobert and against Steven Adams. Um, yeah, it's really important for them to establish early. For, they don't even necessarily have to score. Get a couple blocks, get a lot of rebounds, get a fast break going, things like that. That's that's sort of how you how they can put their staple on the game. And I think and I think that's gonna be the piece is they're gonna have to continue to find ways to contribute without, you know, scoring the basketball, but just those effort plays, those hustle plays and those plays on the defensive end because, if anything, that's what this team 
really needs more than anything else right now. Are you at all concerned? I know we touched on this just briefly before, but I really want to kind of not fixate, but examine this piece about Anthony Davis and LeBron James playing time. Are you at all concerned that, you know, the Lakers are coming out out of the shoot right away and playing Anthony Davis 35 minutes a night on back-to-back nights and LeBron, you know, 34 against the Clippers and 35 against the Raptors. Did you expect them to ease those guys in a little bit more? A little bit more, yeah. And and I, I feel like you sort of saw the plan with how slowly, especially LeBron started against the Clippers and even so against the Raptors, I think going into that second quarter, AD and LeBron both only had three points, and they still almost kind of had, or they still had come back and reclaimed the, the lead at that point. But yeah, I did think they were sort of going to ease in a little bit more, especially two games in. You have LeBron; he's listed as probable, so wasn't really an injury concern. But he's he's talking about tightness and tightness in the groin, and that's automatically going to worry, worry Lakers fans because that's what took him out uh, for a few weeks in, in at the end of 2018. So. Yeah, those are things you definitely don't want to hear, but yeah, you you have to keep an eye on. And I think you know the the concerning thing for me is with this particular club. Obviously, if one of those guys sustains an injury of any type, I don't care if it's the most minor thing. I mean, even AD's little poke in the eye the other day had everybody cause for concern. If that, if any of those guys go down the Lakers are pretty much dead in the water, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. And so that's that's the piece for me, is that I need the Lakers to be mindful of that. Obviously, there's a lot to play for, and the Lakers have a lot on the line. And I think there are going to be some tough games along the way, so the Lakers are going to have to make sure that they're in good shape. Right now, the NBA as a whole, man, looks to be in pretty good shape. And I don't even want to say, let's compare that to Major League Baseball, because it's not even a comparison. But can you sort of believe the disparity between these two sports and just, I mean, to me, it, it really paints a, a very clear and obvious illustration of why one in particular is so much more successful about connecting with its audience than the other. Yeah, and, and you, outside of, of you know all things COVID-19, I think just to compare the different leagues, the NFL, the MLB, and the NBA, uh, especially the NBA under Adam Silver's uh, tenure, is they really partner with the players to to try to come up with with the best solutions for everyone involved. Uh, MLB is is that is that their players union is at odds with Rob Manfred, and yeah, they're a disaster right now. They they we're less than two weeks into the regular season starting for MLB of a, of what what will be a shortened sixty game season, and yeah, there's teams that they're having outbreaks all over the place and. And it seems like it's it's not going to be working. And meanwhile, the NBA has had, um, I think, close to a month of zero positive tests while while keeping everything in the bubble secure. And, and I believe I saw a friend of mine posted it on Facebook, so I don't necessarily know how true it is. So to probably talk about it is irresponsible. But supposedly, Philadelphia Eagles head coach uh, tested positive for COVID nineteen, and so yeah, yeah, the yep. NFL is. Um, and the NFL hasn't even really addressed their plan at all, and they have they have rookies reporting to training camp, and so yeah, to compare all three leagues, the NBA partners really well with their with their players. They have a unified message in 
you know, not just wanting to play basketball, but to also talk about Black Lives Matter and bringing social justice to everybody to the forefront of everybody's mind. Every player in post-game interviews, every every question they're asked about the game, they they somehow bring it back to um, Breonna Taylor and wanting to arrest uh, her killers. So, yeah, every everyone is unified with the you NBA plan. Donovan, you see, you see Donovan Mitchell's bulletproof vest the other day. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think this is you know, if you want to say it's a statement, I think that would be the understatement, right? I mean, I think these guys understand the platform and the responsibility that they carry in terms of you know their voice and the weight of it when it comes to some of these issues that while some would call controversial I will never because they're just they they're not there's no controversy about them in my mind it's just it's very plain and clear what's going on and what needs to be going on instead so you know that's that's the end of my soapbox statement on that one but I think you know for the Lakers too they have a few guys who are you know pretty vocal when it comes to uh how they feel about uh, some of the uh, inequities and inequalities that are so rampant across our society right now. Obviously, LeBron carries the the, uh, largest uh, voice among those guys. And I think it's important that as the NBA continues to be a forefront in the leader, uh, uh, at the forefront of the pack as a leader, I think that they all all the players consider this a, a collective effort on behalf of all of them. So I think there's great unity to that, and one of the reasons that the NBA is able to got getting off to this successful restart here. And now that we've had some time to digest some games here, JC, I asked you, and we can alternate and go back and forth if you want, or we could just do uh, our, your three and then my three, or however you want to format this. What are your three? I know it's tough to limit it, but try to give me three sort of league-wide takeaways here as we've gotten going with the first handful of games off the ground. Um, I think we talked a little bit about um, the the court in one of the older episodes, but just as, as we're now several days deep into the broadcast, we sort of see how, how I think everything is evolving like there's that brand new uh robocam that that goes uh, up and down the sidelines that brings you an an unseen angle that used to be basically from where rich courtside seats would be and so and and you're seeing players be really aggressive uh going at the basket because they have all that space to kind of land and so I i think you're seeing a faster game and so I think there should be some kind of a consideration to like redesign nba arenas to that effect um, I think aside from player, aside from squabbling on the Sixers bench between Shake Milton and, J- and Joel Embiid, uh, you haven't seen a lot of um, a lot of like chippiness so far. Now, granted, the playoffs haven't really started, but I think I think you know the league's playing with a unified message, and so yeah, I think you, you people just want to play and compete, and they I think they understand. I'm seeing a lot more. Uh, one one player will knock a team a player from another team down, and like guys from both teams will help pick him up, uh, sort of thing. So I'm seeing a lot of that. That's really cool. Um, and yeah, beyond that, I think it's 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 just a, a fun environment. Everyone is just really appreciative of the game, and so I think that's only going to help it overall. Oh, I like them, man. All right, here here are my three for you. You ready for them? Yeah. All right. The first one for me, man, is. I know it's only been one game for them, but man, the Thunder look like a squad. They look like a squad that could surprise some people in the postseason because they came out and they whooped, and I mean whooped, 
Utah. It was not even a close game. And I think a lot of people tried to bury Chris Paul, so to speak, before he was, uh, you know, to six feet under when it comes to his basketball career. And I think this Thunder team, uh, obviously with SGA, obviously with Chris Paul, they got Dennis Schroeder off the bench, who's been phenomenal this season for them. Steven Adams in the middle, Danilo Gallinari, who can score the ball. He's healthy. I think this would be a team that could cause a little bit of noise in the postseason if the uh, seeding sort of shake out the right way. So been pretty impressed with them to start off. My second thing was to stay in the Western Conference, the Portland Trailblazers. Now, Portland Trailblazers are one of those teams that's on the outside looking in at that eighth spot. I know Memphis has a lot of things to be excited about. You know, obviously John Morant and uh, JJJ, Jaron Jackson Jr., not to mention Brandon Clark. The future in Memphis is looking pretty good. But Portland is one of those teams that all of a sudden, even without Trevor Ariza, I look at them lurking and think, man, they could be a, a very dangerous uh, potential eight seed for the Lakers. Not in terms of I think the Lakers are going to lose to them in a seven-game series, but not I don't I do not want to play Damian Lillard in the first round of the playoffs because you know, Lillard time is a real thing, and I do not want to get caught in that time zone. So, you know, for me, the Portland Trailblazers, especially with a healthy Yusuf Nurkic who's looking fantastic, which is just nothing short of awesome for him and for the team uh, back inside in the middle. So that Nurkic uh, white side combo, crazy. So that'll be number two for me. And the third one is I know that the Milwaukee Bucks have been out on top of the Eastern Conference for the entire year, but just watching some of these teams so far and some of these games, it would not surprise me if the Raptors, Celtics, or even even the Heat, believe it or not, wind up coming to the NBA Finals to represent the Eastern Conference. So I know Giannis has been sitting at the top comfortably all season long in that one spot, but it would not surprise me if any of those four teams found their way. I'm still not in on the Sixers train on when it comes to the finals. JC, what do you think about all those? Any one of those where you're like, wow, I can't believe he said that? No, and and he did kind of make me remember that, yeah, the Heat are playing really well. Um, uh, I also kind of remembered another standout player. Um, to look at his stat line, he's only played in one official game. To look at his stat line, it's probably not impressive, but I do feel like uh, Bull Bull is going to have a little bit of uh, the Trey Young effect on me, in which I was I wasn't totally convinced there was a place for him in the league. I just didn't think he could hack it physically, um, but he's got some skill and he's uh, he can do some things, and he he might be a player to watch. Well, I can tell you that Bull Bull's trading cards are absolutely through the roof right now. <laughs> so if that's an indication of what's to come, then maybe we'll see something good when it comes to uh, Bull Bull's development. But right now, he still hasn't taken on a huge role with Denver. It's going to be an interesting end to this uh, regular season and start to the postseason, to say the least. JC, we're planning to be back with another episode of the Hoop Ball Lakers podcast on Thursday after the Lakers have uh, the majority of their action this week. So Lakers play four times. we got Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday. JC, that's four games. You want to make a prediction now that we can revisit when we record again this week? Um, let's see. Those four games. Uh, thought I had the schedule here in front of me. Uh, say them again one more time. You got four games this week for the Los Angeles Lakers. You need the schedule. You're saying? Uh, yeah. Uh, I got you. Okay. So when it comes, I got to pull up the schedule. Then when it comes to the Lakers schedule, they play four times this week. The full schedule is as follows. We got. The Lakers taking on the Utah Jazz on Monday, the Oklahoma City Thunder on Wednesday, the Houston Rockets on Thursday in a back-to-back, 
and then the Indiana Pacers on Saturday afternoon. JC, Utah, OKC, Houston, and Indiana. Um, I feel like they could win two of those. You could probably that's probably a safe bet. Uh, I think I think Indiana is a is a pretty easy easy win, despite the fact that TJ Warren uh, had a really good game the other night. Utah oh, dropped fifty plus in the bubble. Yeah. Uh, Utah's been struggling a little bit, not that much, and then and Houston's been playing really well just because they revamped that system. Um, so I think Houston could be a tough game, but um, and yeah, you can uh, you can accept uh, those predictions for me, or you can kind of make your own over at mybookie.ag because uh, sports are back. I don't know if you knew that. Obviously, everyone knows that sports are back. Uh, they have up-to-the-minute odds on all your favorite teams. And with the start of the NBA bubble season finally here, there's never been a better time to start playing. Uh, you bet, you win, they pay. You can join MyBookie today, and they will match your deposit 100%. Plus, they'll toss you a free $10 MLB future wager, which might still work because even though the MLB season has started, Obviously, the playoffs are far from uh, getting going, so all you got to do is enter the promo code HOOPBALL when signing up at MyBookie. You bet, you win, they pay. Beautiful, man. I know it's, it's about that time, and it is that time, especially when it comes to putting down wagers that you think uh, might pay off. Speaking of which, JC, have you seen Uncut Gems? Oh, uh, yeah. Wow, what a film. If you have not seen Uncut Gems, Adam Sandler, Netflix, Make sure you tune into it because, wow, what a film. KG's in it. Not going to spoil much more than that for you. you got to go watch it. Two hours, well invested. I look at this Lakers schedule, JC, just before we close it out here. I say that the Laker footy pajama wearing fan says 4-0, no problem. The optimist says 3-1. and uh, Somebody who's a little bit more pragmatic says 2-2. Two and two. I'm going with 3-1. and one. I'm thinking Utah and OKC. Uh, Lakers come out with a mission. I think that game uh, against Houston at Houston, haha, in Orlando. <laughs> I think that's a tough game on a back-to-back, especially if they're going to have to expend a lot of energy to beat Utah and OKC. So I feel like that's a game to circle. But if they do wind up losing one of those two swing games between OKC and Houston, you know they're going to come out motivated to play the Pacers. So I'm going to go with 3-1. and one. We'll revisit these predictions after the first three games of the week. As a reminder, please follow the show on Twitter, at HoopBallLakers. You can follow us on Twitter. JC is at JCDeLeon1. I am at Ethan underscore Noroff, N-O-R-O-F. JC, the Lakers season is officially re-rolling. So that means we get to be back with everybody a lot more frequently. But until next time, we've given you enough. We out. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.